Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. In the booth with us is George Lorac. George, great to see you again. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for stopping by. You're welcome. Uh, you looking forward to the game tonight? Yes, I am. Uh, I love uh, watching the Oilers game, obviously, at the, at the new rink. And uh, my son gets to watch it, too. Every time I come down from Montreal, uh, every time you look, we look at the schedule, and if it works out, uh, we're here. Well, this is perfect. For, for the Oilers, obviously, one of the big stories is you got McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, tons of points. Neil, pretty good goal total. Uh, and they're still searching. And they're still searching. I mean, if you're one of those guys that's 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 in that slump, you know it's been 17 games for some of them. What would be in your mind if you're going through? Now, and I know you know you did things other than score, but you did chip in occasionally. You needed to chip in occasionally. Yeah, you had 13 goals one season. <laughs> a hat trick. Yes. If I had your hands, Brown, you're still playing today. <laughs> if I had your toughness, I would have played a long longer too. <laughs> I mean, for you going into games, uh, you you understood what your role was, and a lot of the time it was a third line or a fourth line role. You understood what you could contribute, how you could contribute, but you understood that if the goals weren't going in, there was other things that you could do to change the complexion of the game. Well, you know, uh, I know the games change a lot today, and back then, I know it was so different than it is today. You know, guys that had role, the role players were doing their job, and uh, we knew that if the game were going going the right way, you know, sometimes it, you chip in with something uh, more physical play or maybe a fight, you change momentum and things like this. But now it's different. Now um, game has changed so much that you can't do that anymore. Now you know you could be, you could be playing physical, but it's not enough. Now if you have to be you have to be able to play. And the one guy that I admired that could do this, uh, you look at Ryan Reeves in, yep. uh, in uh, Vegas, is the best example of a guy that was known for his fighting ability when he started it. And when the league started to change, he knew that he had to modify the way he played to stay in the league. And he scores 10 goals a year in Vegas. He's very valuable in the playoff. He's the reason why they knocked out the Jets because of his physical play and he could play also. And uh, that's why every big guy that are left in the league today, if they don't improve and they're going to get faster and on a factor physical way, uh, they're going to be out. And uh, the one thing that we have to say when we talk about that, uh, you know, you're just talking about Neil, but what a trade. Because, uh, you know, you get a legitimate top six in exchange of a guy that wasn't following up with the speed anymore. And that totally changed the team. And we see the big result of it. And, you know, Brownie, the fact that you're right here talking about a guy, you would know about sniping because you and him, you know, a guy that when you have the puck on the stick and in any position you would put it in, Neil is like you. Just a true, a true pure, uh, pure sniper. And it's just awesome to see that with the others just depth scoring that they needed they get it with him i mean it was a trade that's worked out tremendously for the Oilers so far they got a guy that likes to shoot and on a team where there's a lot of guys that like to pass first james neal isn't that guy he thinks shot first and because of that he's he's had a great start to his other career when when you played george was there ever a time i mean look nhl players they, they are tough and whether they fought or not they they've been challenged and they've had to be aggressive and stand up for themselves but was there ever a time where you felt like I'm in, I'm in this guy's head? Like, I think he's a little afraid of me. Like, I'm, in, I'm actually intimidating this guy. I got him where I want him. Well, to be honest with you, and I play against Brownie, and he could probably tell you this. 
the role that I did, I didn't like it. You know, it's funny because every time I talk to people, they think I'm this guy that loves fighting and all he talks about it. But I did it because it was my job, but I hated it. So I was not a chirper. I, I wasn't playing in guys' head. When you're tough, you don't have to chirp. You know, people look at you and they're like, you know what? I'm not going to be physical against the others because I want George to see me. And to me, it was perfect. I played team where tough guy were not throwing one body check or they would miss guy on purpose to hit the bars because they didn't want me to come see them after. It was perfect. Why chirping? The guy that chirps is always the guy that are not tough, that are hiding behind the referee. When the referee comes in the melee, now they want to fight. When the wonder if he's not there, they're looking on the ground and they don't want to come and see you. I wasn't doing that. Too big to chirp, you know. Brash was like that. Brash was chirping guys and he was tough. And I think a lot of guys didn't respect him because of that, because they knew it was tough. Why you chirp guys, right? So me, I wasn't a big talker. I was just, you know, I was talking with my action. In terms of chirp, it was not my style. No, it's true. Like Bob Probert, who was another legitimate, one of the greatest tough guys in the National Hockey League, he never chirped. He would line up beside you. If you did something he didn't like, he'd just line up beside you and go, Brownie, don't. Okay, yep, Bob, all right, whatever you say. Would you like me to change, too? I can go off now if you want. <laughs> it's true. Now, now, it's you're so in, true. now, you're in town to see the game, but that's not the only reason you're in town. You spoke today. Now, tell, tell, tell us about the things that you're doing, because you, you've got a, a million things going on yeah. right now. Well, you know, uh, I played in Edmonton for so long that even though I'm in Montreal for time on the radio and, uh, you know, restaurant, clothing, rice, kombucha, uh, book, public speaking and veganism and all that stuff, right? I do so many things in Montreal, but uh, I get hired all the time to come in Alberta to do public speaking, to talk, because, uh, you know, I've been part of the community for so long that uh, there's so many things to do out, out west, and I get so many requests, and I love it, because every time I do, I take advantage to see my kids, so every time I do, uh, you know, my schedule is so packed up, and I love it, and I could do my radio show from here, I bring a Comrex radio, and you could do it from distance, but uh, it's just awesome to see that even though, uh, you know, I've been here last time, it's 2006, after the run, that's the last time that I was there, and yeah, people still talk to me about that, and they still still feel I'm part of this community. And and even though I, you know I live in Montreal, I always call Edmonton home when I'm here. And I always uh, on my radio show, I always talk about the Canadians, about the Oilers, and always hope that they think things uh, things around. And uh, you know, I was the happiest guy when I said the beginning of the season this year to see that uh, the trade paid off and things uh, worked out because my my son too is the biggest biggest Oilers fan, right? So you know, when they're not going good, he's calling me what's going on. And now this year, that is so much fun and it's so much better. It's uh, the city, the town deserve it, right? The, the the true fan in this league are in Edmonton. How loud that we are and. And uh, we started the anthem like singing it and all the other team copied us after. The, the tradition of that comes in Edmonton. You know, people panning their face, cheering their hockey team. Not like in Toronto where it's all business guys that have tickets and they're not sitting in their seat because they're not even there because they don't care about hockey. Here we have true fans for passionate again. We feel it when we're in a town, we're in a city, and the way they cheer down their team and their passion for it. And look, they've been so patient waiting for the team to win, and they're always there. Uh, stands always packed, and it's just awesome. It, it is actually, I play, only play with 14, but it is the best um, the Oilers are the best team I've ever played with. Uh, in terms of the city, the fan, the place to play is the greatest place to play uh, on the hurt in Edmonton. And, and so happy that they threw things around. And I think that for years to come now, uh, things should be good. George Lorac joining us in Studio 99. I want to ask you a couple non-hockey things, and then, and then I'll ask you something about one of the guys on the Devils. Uh, veganism. Why and when? And has it, has it helped? Like, do you feel better? 
Actually, uh, I, I thought it began in 2009, right? I saw Earthlings, a documentary that shows how animals suffer during up in a plate and how bad it is for health and the environment. After I saw it, that was it, 2009, I changed my entire life. I did testing before and after to see the difference, what it would be. And uh, within four months of it, uh, I was much stronger, um, you know, more energy. It changed everything. And actually, j for people to understand the difference and how effective it is, you could just, on Netflix, watch Game Changer. Game Changer, you're listening to the athletes talking about it, the studies and everything. It's amazing. And I know that, you know, I've done a lot of uh, talk about veganism in Edmonton, but with the Alberta beef, it's, it's a hard crowd sometimes <laughs> when you talk about that, that people that bleed Alberta beef and you get this big black guy that comes in and talks about being vegan. People are looking at me, they're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, uh, you know, usually when people talk about it, it's, it's the, you know, people that do yoga, that are 100 pounds wet, that levitate when it wins too much. But when they get a big guy coming in and talking about that I'm eating salad for a meal, they're like, George, come on. How are you, how you 300 pounds eating salad, right? It was so, a it's a big salad. <laughs> <laughs> I go eat with the cows. I go eat the cows in the field and stuff. <laughs> I, I remember a few years ago, I, I was working at Ched, but I was doing mostly news stuff. And they said you got to go to this uh, this Green Party rally because George Lorac is is going to be there. Now, are you still do, active with with the Green Party? Or? Yes, yes, I am sometimes, but mostly to talk about the environment. Okay, um, you know, like. It, it, I don't like politics too much, and I'm too busy to uh, to get involved. But uh, the green message is great, so and that's why I get involved, and for that to help people to be more green. And and if they don't want to be vegan, there's a couple of things that they could do at least to help out the environment. I do stuff like this, it, which it sensibilizes everyone. But in terms of uh, being full active politician, no. Well, don't you think you'd be good in the House of Commons? You're a very dynamic speaker. You got a lot of energy. You could really influence people. Yeah, but the thing is, is that. The Green only has three seats. So it would be kind of a hard position to talk because you have nobody to back you up. You know? so, so that's why it's like, some, it's not even a recognized party because there's not enough seats. So that's why if you want to make a difference, you have to join a party that much bigger. And uh, I don't know, I think with my time, uh, and I know it, being a politician is something really important in the world, in the society, but uh, yeah, not for me. Not. <laughs> you, get, you get criticized a lot if you're a politician, that's what I've heard. It's probably harder to be a hockey player. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, everything is... Uh, hockey, look, you know, first of all, a hockey player, our job is to, to entertain people that drink beer and eat chips sitting on their couch. <laughs> this is not important. This is... We're entertainers, right? Society, like politicians, they, they change life, you know, the rules, the law, all that stuff. That's... We know that the thing's more important than hockey. We're entertainers and we understand we have a role to, to have, like, you know, to entertain people after they come home from work, but... You know, we don't think that we do the most important things in the world. There are things more important than hockey, right? And now we're just happy that, you know, when the game is done, we have we do an imprint in our society so we could be remembered for other things than just the hockey player that we were. All right. Oilers taking on the Devils tonight. One of the Devils' big acquisitions was P.K. Subban. You, you were a Canadian with him. They obviously moved him to Nashville, and then Nashville moves him to New Jersey. I mean, an incredibly talented player, but... You know, he's been traded a couple of times. Yeah, well, I know him pretty good. Uh, I brought him to Haiti when I rebuilt the hospital in Haiti after the earthquake. He came in, really generous guy. As you guys know, he donated his, uh, his name to raise uh, more than $10 million for a hospital in Montreal. Community-wise, that guy is awesome. In terms of involvement, um, you know, you could only hope to have many athletes representing your team that are as generous in the community. 
in terms of skill wise as a player he's awesome he's you know you know he could skate he could shoot he could do a lot of stuff but the thing is that Brownie, you'd be able to testify with that to win skills is not enough to win on a team you have to be a team player if you're not a team player and you, your teammates don't appreciate you your team is not going to win and you're not going to help your teammates in montreal a lot of people always asking why they traded him against a defenseman that was older he came from the dressing room after a while you know it's not the fact that he takes a lot of space but it's the fact that he's not enough a team player and if you're not a team player you get outcast by the teammates that you play with and that's what happened in montreal it came to a point where the leaders on that team came went to the gm and they said that they couldn't they didn't want to play with him anymore and that's why they traded him not because he was doing all those charitable and the stuff outside of hockey it's because in the room there was a clash with the leaders in the dressing room so they traded him to nashville it only took one year in Nashville for the same thing, to, same thing to happen. After one year that he was there, they were already talking about moving him. And look what happened. They moved him to, to uh, New Jersey and they pretty much gave him away for nothing. After giving away Weber for him, and now they get, let him go because th same things started happening in Nashville. So, you know, you look at New Jersey with all the great guys they have, the core guys that are there, but again, Talent on a team is not enough. And we saw it with Hamilton. We had, the, you know, the greatest player in the world with, with McDavid and the second best center in the world with Dreisaitl. They made the playoff last year. So you have to have the great combination of guy and the good guys in the room. And maybe for him, it's going to be a reality check in New Jersey. And he admitted himself that he's not playing up to par so far this year. And when you make $9 million in a cap and you're a defenseman, you have there's a lot of responsibility to answer that up. And if he had a better season, maybe they'd be in a better spot right now. But it's just that right now, it's rough for him. It's rough for the team. And, you know, if the team don't turn that around, is Taylor's going to sign back with him? Are they going to be able to sign it to an extension? Those are all those questions that you have to look back. Because if you look at this team, it's quite disappointing. Because I'm pretty sure that even Ray Shiro, that I know pretty good, I had in Pittsburgh, he never thought this team would be in that position right now. Well, and you look with, with PK, too. When he's in Montreal, Montreal, it is a big hockey town, and yeah. he gets to be the show. Nashville is a really good hockey town, and they get, like, they're, they're, it's a party atmosphere in their arena, and he gets to be the show. New Jersey's not like that. No. New Jersey's boring to play in. They don't always sell out. It's a quiet crowd. It, it'd be hard for him to be the show there, and I think that might affect the way he plays, too, because there's not a huge spotlight on him. There he's just... PK just some dude on the hockey team and they don't really care that much about the team yeah. anyways and you know when a team loses also and because when he got in and he did a show when he got in people were like this team is going to be to watch they're going to be serious they got Jack Hughes they got mm -hmm. you know all the guys that are there Nico Isher, Taylor Alp, PK this team is going to the top a lot of people thought that they were going to make the playoff this year and now when they don't do good and they just get in at the bid acquisition, you're losing stock. You know his value is going down. Because right now you look at the, the top best defenseman in the league. He's not even top 20 no. right now. No. And, and with the salary that he's making now, there's a responsibility now with that that he has to live up to it. Because you look at Nashville. If they kept them, how much would you think uh, um, Yossi? Yossi would have cost? Well, 12 million. They knew that. Yep. They knew if they kept them, all the core guy, Ekholm, you'll see, like, the guys that are there, they're going to be, well, he's serious, making nine. I'm playing more than him. Yeah. I want more. Right. They had to trade him. But now, New Jersey, what do you think is going to happen to the other Ds when they're going to start playing more than him because he's not playing it good and they're going to want to have more money than he has? They're going to have a cap problem. 
It's not. It's going to go pretty fast. So if he keeps going this way, they're going to be in the same position, and they're going to have to shop him around. Would you imagine if somebody this talented gets to a 14 in this youth of his career already? Would you imagine how bad that would be? Oh, it's true. I mean, there's a guy that, that wasn't being picked for Olympic teams, wasn't being picked for, you know, to, to represent Canada. And this is when he was coming off Norris Trophy winning seasons. Yes, exactly. George, we appreciate you dropping by. I know there's uh, a lot of cell phones here that I think want you on the camera roll, and uh, I know you love It's actually Rob the Brown, they wanted it. No, he, no, no. Because he almost scored 50 goals. <laughs> he, but don't he, re- please in, don't in remind him. In, in one year, he scored almost <laughs> as many goals as I scored my entire career. <laughs> I scored 55. He scored in my career in, in 13 years, and he scored 48 in 49. One year? 49. 49. 49. But I got one he question. He should have had a 50th. <laughs> but I have one question. For this. It's Marcus, right? Yeah. Okay, I, Marcus, I asked you this before. This Marcus is how old? How old you Marcus 10 so 10 George is a 10 year old boy who is faster skater you or your father oh Marcus is hands down he's a faster <laughs> skater <laughs> George thanks for dropping by Oilers time, and Devils at Thank 7 presented by World of Spas we'll take a one minute break and then we'll bring in John Shannon on the City Ford Faceoff show